No matter what organization you lead, finances are paramount for your success. And church finances aren't any different. Poorly managed church finances can hurt a pastor's ability to lead church members and reach the local community. After all, very little will wreck the movement of God more than weak financial policies and workflows. Thankfully, it's much easier to make changes now, before your church is in the headlines, than to try to reestablish those relationships after they've been torpedoed by a costly financial misstep. And that's where our friends at Belay can help. Belay, a modern church staffing organization with fractional U.S.-based accounting and virtual assistant services, has helped busy church leaders do just that for more than a decade. To help you figure out where to start, Belay is offering its resource, Four Costly Financial Mistakes for Churches, to our listeners for free to help you identify the four biggest things we can see wreck churches when it comes to their finances and what you can do to avoid them. Just text RUSTY, that's R-U-S-T-Y, to 55123 to get back to growing your church with Belay. Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Hey, welcome back to the Leading Simple Podcast. My name is Rusty George. Uh, If you've ever wondered, what is the deal with my kids? How come they are so sensitive? Why are they so lacking in motivation? Why do they struggle so much with relationships? Well, it just so happens they're dealing with more anxiety and more mental illness than we have ever experienced in our lifetime. Justin Knowles is a pastor that deals with student ministry and elementary age ministry and does it at a very large church in Southern California. And he's my guest today to help us understand kids these days. At Real Life Church, we're going through a series called Kids These Days. You can check all that out on the app or the website, reallifechurch.org and through the Real Life Church app. But we wanted to take a little bit of extra time and dive into this with somebody who's seeing it from the front lines from his ministry world. So I know you're gonna be blessed by what Justin has to say today. Well, we are sponsored today by Belay Solutions. Belay Solutions provides uh, virtual assistance and uh, back-end office help, all kinds of ministry and working solutions, accounting, social media, and website services. Make sure you check out belaysolutions.com. Thank them for sponsoring Leading Simple. And uh, check out their sources and solutions that they have for you. It's so, so helpful. Well, I'm anxious for you to hear Justin. He was great, and I think you're really going to appreciate what he has to say. So here you go, my conversation with Justin Knowles. Justin, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, for our listeners, and for me as well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? How'd you get to where you are? Yeah. Uh, and what uh, what's going on in your life? What do I do? Uh, yeah, so Justin Knowles, 36 years old, um, married for 10 years, and we have two little two little boys, five and three, and uh, they keep us busy, and it's a lot of wrestling um, and random nakedness in our house, I'm not going to lie to you, uh, through them throughout the day, <laughs> and so it keeps, keeps my wife and I going. Uh, I've been in youth ministry for the last 15 years, and uh, I just had, had a youth pastor for, uh, at uh, three different churches over that time, uh, one and all, which I know you're familiar with, um, for a long, long time. I was down at Saddleback Church, down on their high school team for uh, five years, and then I've been at Sandals, where I serve now, as the director of kids and youth um, for the last three and a half years. Uh, a year and a half of that has been the kids aspect of it, so I originally got hired to do youth only to oversee our campuses. And then now I added kids onto the plate, which is super fun and been a whole new endeavor for me as a 15 year youth ministry veteran. Um, so that's been super fun. Uh, I'm an avid golfer. Love it. It's one of my favorite like times by myself where I get to like refocus on everything. Uh, avid reader. Um, I'm like a book, book or two a month right now is where I'm at. Mm. Um, and I, um, have a podcast of my own that's spe- like specializes in youth ministry stuff. So if you're a youth ministry leader or 
like to dive into the world of youth ministry, bring a whole bunch of people on, like like this one, where we bring a whole bunch of stuff on there. It's called Youth Ministry Hacks, and you could go ahead and uh, check that out if that's something that you're into. So, And obviously, that's what we're talking about a little bit today. Yeah, it is. Um, are, are you from California originally? Did you grow up out here? Yeah, I grew up in Chino. So Chino is okay. uh, where I, I am born and raised, still live there now. Um, and it's it's I love it. My wife's from there. We actually live in my father-in-law's house as we're saving up to buy our own. And so it's like the house that she grew up in. So it's kind of cool to still be in that area mm. um and then yeah uh sandals is based out of riverside so eventually i hope to move a little bit closer out there once we are able to make that happen um yeah so born and raised there grew up playing sports um all throughout ministry wasn't really a part of my agenda uh as a high schooler and uh i got called into ministry at 16 ran from it until about like 18 uh where i was a senior in high school and my high school pastor was like hey you know you're supposed to do this and i said <laughs> absolutely not because at that point i've been like leading a small group you know of students and he's seen me interact and do all the stuff and and he's like you're supposed to do this and i was like absolutely not that's just not what i want to do at all um and then he just was like hey why don't you just intern me for the fall and tell me that i'm wrong and he wasn't wrong. And so it kind of launched from that point on. I kind of dabbled and, and still went like went to school, went to like a, like a community college. And then when I finally was able to transfer to like a four-year, ended up going to APU mm. and majoring in youth ministry and kind of haven't looked back since. We, we hear a lot of people on this, uh, on this show talk about called by God. And I felt like I was called to do ministry. Felt like I was called to go on the mission field, called to start this nonprofit. How did that call look in your life? Because I, I get different answers from people of how they feel that or sense that. It was nice to have kind of your own Sherpa to come alongside you and speak that into your life as well. But mm -hmm. how did you sense that? Yeah, I mean, what I always tell students, and it kind of, you know, it's nice when you could, when, whenever you teach something, you could apply it to your own life as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's the, the powerfulness of, of teaching uh, effectively. And I always tell students all the time of God speaks in, in three major ways. He th speaks through his scripture, he th speaks through prayer, and speaks through people. Mm -hmm. And I feel like those, when I look at those three things at that time of my life, like that's just, as I was developing like my own stronger, my own faith out of high school, um, not my parents' faith, not something that they forced me to do, but as I was really looking into my own faith, I just kept on feeling like as I was praying to God, saying like, "Oh man, you love all the, all your giftings and your skill sets goes into pouring into these students that you've been leading for at that point for six years." Like I, I took a small group from second grade all the way to senior year of high school, and wow! And at that time, that's like where you know my leadership and the guys that I was serving under, they're like, "You, there's something about you. Like this is something you're supposed to do." Um, and then just reading through like scripture and like being convicted by how, like, what does service look like for me? Um, how do I serve God the best? And then allowing all that into it, into a moment where I remember sitting at, you know, at my senior year, just graduated houseboats in Lake Mead in Nevada and three in the morning looking up, you know, at the sky and, and praying to God. And I, I remember like hearing this voice of like, you know, why are you running from the thing, like from what I'm calling you to do, you know, like I'm just asking you to be obedient. And so, and then, wow. you know, two weeks later, having that conversation with my high school pastor saying, hey, just intern and see what's up. And then, I don't know, just, I feel like all of it's just been steps of like little obedience yeah. that just allows me, kind of has taken me through the the process. Wow. And, you know, now, now 15 years later, still doing it and still loving it and haven't really ventured out of the youth ministry space. So... What, is, what does that look like for you? What would be your next most logical step based on your personality? Is it to be a lead pastor? That seems to be the, the journey a lot of guys take. Plan a church, whatever. I don't know. I don't think so. That's, I don't, that's never been in my head 
to like one like doing what you do and looking at my you know pastor matt brown who i serve under now and i go i don't know if i want to do that um <laughs> you know maybe maybe it's one of those other things that i might have to be called to but you know i i do have a passion for this this the next generation and as i've been even do- dove into like the kids space like even more so um, you know, cause when they first told me to ask me, or they asked me if I'd be willing to take on the kids ministry here, cause it like, this is not just like a kid's ministry. This is like kids and youth ministry across 14 locations. Mm-hmm. So like, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a quite an undertaking. Mm-hmm. And I said no at first. And then they're like, well, why don't you pray about it? <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and I went, I went home and I was telling my wife about like, okay, like, what does this look like? I don't know. I've never done kids ministry. How does this look? And she just, you know, as you might experience that sometimes your spouse is your living Holy Spirit, where the Spirit speaks through her, through <laughs> through her to me. And she goes like, well, w- wouldn't you want to be a part of building something for like our kids to be a part of? Mm. You know, like you, you would be able to like speak into what our kids get to experience and how they're discipled. And I'm like, mm. all right. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I kind of took that on and, and it's kind of re re engage this new passion for like not only just like gen z now which would be our teenagers you know which would gen alpha which is like the next coming up mm-hmm. into into the ranks of um our society which hasn't done a lot of study on because they're just too young right and so we kind of really don't know exactly what what that's going to be like or what that's going to look like you know so it's been it's been fun wonder if at some point we start defining generations based upon how they connected to covid you know, is there is there going to be the COVID generation, the post-COVID? Because that, that's such a huge impact on on students uh, and kids. Mm-hmm. But I remember when, you know, when 9-11 happened, for, for many people, that was the very first war or act of war they'd ever seen or experienced that defined us, changed us. Mm-hmm. And so everything was defined as post-9-11. I wonder how much COVID is going to play into that. Obviously, we'll still be talking about it years later. Uh, I think we're we're going to see very soon as Gen Alpha is being developed, you know, missing a lot of years of schools, at least out here in California, right? Like, cause we're, it was crazy out here for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think we'll, I think we'll definitely like if, as we've opened up kids ministry, and I don't know if you've seen this and youth ministry back up like post COVID, like there was, there's some pretty immediate effects. And I'm, I'm curious to see what the long-term effects are going to be when it comes to that. We had a, a, a therapist come in and talk to our, our parents, and he speculated that it won't be long before social skills is to our kids what home ec was for some of us when we were in school mm. because they just lost so much during COVID and being stuck in a room or on a Zoom call or losing that interaction of just knowing how to talk to people is kind of a lost art right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like everybody kind of went down like two grades in like in in in, like how to interact with people Mm -hmm. um it's it's pretty crazy like our our sixth graders feel like fourth graders they look like fourth graders you know even Mm. of how they interact it's it's pretty wild that's a great point okay i i want to get to our questions we're going to talk about kids even more but okay anytime somebody says i'm an avid reader uh my antenna kind of chimes in on that because i love to read as well what, what do you read? What, what Give me a couple of titles that you thought, man, that's a great book. I mean, I'm assuming a lot of nonfiction, but maybe you're really into Danielle Steele. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's, uh, what's your vibe? Yeah. So, I mean, I did, I did just finish uh, all of the Chronicles of Narnia stuff. That was super fun. Okay. Uh, it's been a while since I've read through any of those. Like, I, I like that kind of stuff, but it's not like my forte. Uh, I, like, for, for example, one of the books uh, that I just finished actually had to read it twice is uh um the uh, ruthless illumination of hurry john mark comer and i feel like i had to read it twice because i rushed through it and then i was like no i need to like really take it on and be challenged by it because i was super convicted by what how he was talking about like what does hurry look like and what does it do um another book that i um i just finished was um uh saving the saved i think is what it's called uh by uh loritz uh yeah gosh what's his name i can't i can't remember uh crawford loritz yeah that brian one. loritz i think it's brian okay i'm gonna i'm gonna have to look it up now just because i'm curious to see which one it was yeah saving the save by brian loritz um 
And that was really interesting because it had to do with like church people. Mm. So it, it's not just, it's not, re, it's not saving the, un, like the unsaved, it's saving the people who say that they're saved. Right. And what does that mean? And so I thought it was like super interesting. Um, and then, uh, I, you know, I lead a, a team of kids and youth pastors and the team that I work with on our central team. And so I just finished uh, high impact teams by Lance Witt. Yeah. And so um, walk, walking through different like dynamics of how do we lead effectively. And yeah, so those are like the last three. Uh, Lance is a uh, is a, a guest or has been a guest on the podcast, a friend of the show. Nice. Did you work with him at Saddleback? No, we 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 like he left, and then I I must have I like, came in right underneath, right after he left. Okay, so before we get done, I'll give you time to think about this while we're talking. I need a really good Rick Warren story. Mm. Everybody that works at Saddleback has got a. This was amazing. This was hilarious, whatever it was. So anyway. I got a few already, so yeah. Okay, we'll get to those. Okay. Let our listeners be teased for that one. Okay, let's talk about kids these days. Yeah. Uh, we've already hinted this a little bit. It's just, you know, the post-pandemic, uh, dropping down two grades. But there's so much more than just that. There's the mental health issues, which some of that comes from, post, from post-COVID. But a lot of it's technology, all those kind of things. Uh, and then, of course, the, the the gender questions, which are becoming a rampant discussion. Um, so mm. what are you seeing? What are they experiencing that many of us parents are kind of missing? Yeah, I got a couple stats for you, uh, Rusty. This comes from Springfield. Um, I think it's called Spring Hill Research. Okay. Uh, no, Springtide Research. Uh, dot org if you want to like look it up uh, or put it in the show notes springtideresearch.org they did a whole study on this generation of students coming up and I, there's a couple of things i just shared this with our teams um that were that really stuck out to me so if i could just rattle off maybe a couple of things that i was like ooh this is something to take note of yeah uh, so the first one is this this one was like wow if we as a sandals church youth ministry could focus on this this stat could be eradicated from at least within our ministry. And it's it said almost one in five students right now, kids, report that um, they're not flourishing in relationships with friends and family. So that's one in five. And the second one is almost one in five report that they do not have someone in their life who really cares about them. Mm. Okay, I'm going to say that one again, because that's the one that really sticks out to me, is that out of all the, the studies that they've done is almost one in five students, kids, report that they do not have someone in their life who really cares about them. And so like that, Hmm. that to me is one of the most saddest stats that I think I've read in a long, long time to think that one out of every five people in your ministry at your church have can not point out one adult who genuinely cares about them. Um, And there's a little, little note on this little thing that says, uh, many young people who identify as religious are not members of any religious communities, and a fifth of the young people say that they aren't flourishing in their closest relationships, but these types of relationships are the first place that they think of when it turns in, in times of need, meaning 20% of young people don't necessarily have that help when facing life's biggest questions. And so, you know, when I look at that stat and I look at like what we do and what parents, you know, just kind of even being the the person like are you a person that a teenager could go to or a kid could go to like do they feel like you might know that you love them but like do they do they know that you love them is the question that i feel like you know it seems easy but it's also really really um easy to miss also isn't that fascinating that they say they're not religious everybody says they're spiritual right now they say they would listen to somebody who had some kind of spiritual standing, and yet they have no relationship. So it's kind of like this, this thing their parents keep telling them, which is, uh, I'm spiritual, but I don't need church, is now working against them mm-hmm. because they don't have that community. That's the one thing that we know for sure about church is we're supposed to be together. So mm-hmm. it's fascinating to see how those stats play out and heartbreaking as well. Yeah. And that's something that I was telling our, our teams is like, man, if we, as youth pastors, as small group leaders, if we could be that one person that students could point to, because we know that they genuinely care about us, like that changes the game. Like we could eradicate that stat in our ministry. 
ourselves if that's like our focus. And so this year, like we had a huge small group focus of, you know, how do we get small group leaders to challenge out, to hang outside of Wednesday nights, you know, for, with their students, not just so that they come here, but how do we go to them and make it like a, we call that like our group hangs challenge where we basically wrapped up we had all these different things that small groups could do and we created points to go along with it and groups throughout the semester could rack up points of how many times they've hung out outside of Wednesday nights and the group with the most points gets like a really big prize at the end of the year. And and it's a, it was a great thing. And it, we, the stories that we've seen out of that, of like the connections that have been made, you know, mm. I think for those leaders that took really that on, they could, they could not worry about that stat because those kids would know, wow, my small group leader, they genuinely care for me because it's not just come here. It's um, they come to me. They go out to where I'm at. They go to my games. They go to my stuff. And so it's just like stuff like that. When I when I think through those stats and from a ministry perspective, you know, there's that. I think from a parent perspective, you know, do you your your kids might you do you do they know that you actually like care for them? You might take care of them, but like I think as they get older having the conversations and reminding them and having like, Hey, do you know that I care for you? You could kind of like developing whatever those relationships look like is vital that we just, I think a lot of times we assume, I assume, and my kid's six, my oldest is six. And he's, there's been moments where he goes like, do you love me? <laughs> wow. You know, and he's a six year old. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, yeah, of course, like, of course, buddy, of course I do. But like in my head, I just go like, wow, I just need, I need to constantly remind him that like, I care for you. Does he then look at you and say, feed my sheep? Yeah. Yeah. It's so like, just, well, sorry, bring me snacks. Um, that's what, <laughs> that's what, he, that's what he says. No humor, like Bible humor. Yeah. Oh, so that's really, really good. So that, that's like one stat. another one that I, I thought like, this is, it has to do with like leaders and parents that really stuck out to me that I think we miss is this idea of. The question was that they asked these young people, uh, what are young people looking for uh, when trusted friends, mentors, guides, parents, relatives reach out and support, right? So when we, like, if we were to reach out, uh, like, what were the most useful or important things that someone did to help during a challenging time? And the number one answer, 51% of these kids that responded said, they just let me talk. Mm. That was the number one answer which I translate as adults, you need to listen more than what you do to give. Cause what we've also noticed is this generation doesn't want answers. They want to come up with their own answers. They are publishers. They want to, they want to come to it on their own. And what we as adults miss is we, th we tend to like teach them or teach down to like teach at them. In reality, what we're, the stats are showing is that, the biggest thing, the biggest help for anything is just to let them talk and to air it out themselves without interruption. Wow. So that way they feel like they're being heard. And I feel like that's something that we miss a lot, especially in the, you know, if you're leading a small group or, or as a parent, like, like, do we allow spaces for students and kids just to be open and to talk and let it let them kind of air it out because what happens is that they are they're kind of like developing their answer as they go and we're here to like what we always tell our small group leaders is you're a facilitator not a teacher yeah and so like how do we how do we facilitate and kind of create the guardrails as they kind of navigate their problems to kind of make it's like bumper cars you know we want them to we want them to feel the bumps and I feel like what parents naturally do, granted, what I want to do with my kids, I want to protect them at all costs. Yeah. I don't want any bumps. I don't want any bruises. But that's actually sometimes the best thing for them. And we could be like the guardrails to make sure that they're not running themselves off the road. Mm. That's really great. And what's encouraging about this is it's it's doable. Yeah. like Our kids need adults, and they just need them to listen. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is I found the stat. It said, it said 58% of all these students – um, young people ages 13 to 25 says, I do not like to be told the answers about faith or in religion. I'd rather discover them on my own. Hmm. And that 54% of religious communities try to fix my problem instead of just being there for me. That was, those were the two stats that, again, I, that stood out to me mm. in regards to that. This is what this generation is saying is we, we get into fix it mode. I'm a husband. 
when my wife's hurting, I want to fix things. And that's not necessarily what she wants. She just wants me to listen half the time, you know? And I feel like that's kind of what we do in the church mode is that we want to go in and fix it rather than hear, hear their grievances, problems, airing it out, which is why I feel that they moved to like TikTok or Instagram to air their grievances over things rather than having trusted communities of people to come sit in and listen to them. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's super interesting when you kind of like, when you navigate through, when you hear this is what they're saying and how they're like processing through some of those things. That's great stuff. Even if we talked about nothing else, um, I, I feel like that is gold right there. Okay, I do want to ask you about this. This is a question I, I get a lot. Parents will come up to me because I have, I have a 20-year-old and an 18-year-old, so I've navigated some of these things, and they assume since I'm a pastor, then I have the right answers. Um, I let them know, hey, listen, this is a lab. We're all figuring this out as we go. But they ask questions like, okay, when should I get my, my child an iPhone uh, or a phone? Because I, I, I want them to feel like they can call me, text me, let me know where they are when they need me to pick them up, those kind of things. So it's a little bit more of it's to my benefit than it is for theirs. Uh, but also, you know, when do I let my kids get on social media mm. and what, you know, what apps are okay and those kind of things. So that's the parent that's really dialed in. Some, they're just kind of doing whatever. But what would you say? How do you answer those questions? Yeah, I think my, my first response that comes into my head is, you know, blankets are great for cuddling and not for statements um, in the sense of like to give like a general, a general overview, I think is, is like, I can't say like 12 years old or 15 years old or 16, because there's some really mature 12 year olds yeah. who could probably have the responsibility and be able to be trusted. And there's some 17 year olds that I definitely would not um, to be able to navigate it. And, you know, I, I think truth is, you know, I think this is the theme as, as my hope is that you hear with, from a family perspective, it all comes down to, it's down to a different for every kid and every family. And it's, it's having the conversations with your kids about why you do and what you do and how you do it. Um, depending on, you know, I think, you know, if, when, if I look at like a, a married couple, husband and wife, and like, have you had a conversation about what do you want first hmm. navigate and set the guidelines communicate those guidelines and then execute those guidelines. You know, if you're a single parent, I feel like the same thing. Like you have to at least have to have some sort of structure. Cause when you look at like a teenager, their life is all chaos. And so whether they fight it or not, structure is really helpful. Hmm. And so I think having the conversation is the first step of determining whether or not your kid is ready for a phone or whatever apps that they're doing. Um, you know, cause for me, like, I look at my, again, I look at my, my six-year-old and my three-year-old, they know how to navigate an iPad. They know how to navigate the Roku on our TV. They know how to navigate YouTube. And that's scary. Cause I've, I've like, without me, no, like they, they know how to download apps, you know, that are free. And for whatever reason, we were still logged in and they were like looking at, you know, watching YouTube stuff that I was, had no idea <laughs> that they were watching. And I'm like, what are you, what is happening? And it was not a appropriate thing for a six-year-old. Right, so they they could already do that. They've figured out how to do that at six. Um, you know, I know that when I give my kids their first phone, they're gonna get the first phone that I got, which was a Nokia brick. Like that's all they're gonna get, you know. And so, but but with I, the antenna you pull up with with the antenna with the snake with snake. That's all I remember from yes. that that first one. But like, you know, I think when it comes down to to like, okay, what age? When do I give? What apps do we have? I feel like it starts with the conversation with, with your spouse or if you're a single parent with like you just writing it, it out, like your values and then communicating those with your kids. Because I think that's the other part of it is, you know, I, I think like, oh, you know, well, my friends, all my other 12 year old friends have iPhones and I'm like, that's, that's great for them. You know, their parents are irresponsible. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if that's what they do, but like for me, it's, I'm not your friend. You know, I'm I'm your parent. And I'm going to try to make sure that we're walking you through that. And I think a lot of parents they fall into the idea of like, well, I just uh, they're going to give into the peer pressure of their kids or their friends' parents or anything like that, rather than knowing what their values are and sticking to those. Because you're not your kid's friend; mm. you're the parent, and you're going to do whatever you need to do for your family and whatever thing that you value. So mm. uh, all that to say is, have a conversation, write out your values, 
figure out what you feel like is you might have a really mature kid. They might be able to have a little bit more freedom on some of those things, mm -hmm. you know? And so that's really good. That's, that's where I would start with that answer. It's not an answer, but that's my answer. Well, that's, that's a great answer because there's nothing like getting into a heated conversation with your child and you, you know, you're, you're laying down the law and your spouse says, no, nah, I don't agree with that. That, uh, that's a fun place to be in. And I've been there. Um, okay. So help our parents out. What are some ways that they can, you know, they can monitor their kids activity without, you know, swinging to one of two extremes, the overbearing or the out to lunch. Yeah. Uh, you know, how, how do you, how do we kind of stay engaged? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you don't give your kids a smartphone, that kind of that kills that right away, right? You don't have to worry about, you don't have to worry about that. Cause I, in my personal opinion, I think you should wait as long as you can yeah, to give a teenager access to social media and all that kind of stuff. Um, it, what, with what we see with stats and stuff, like what it does to you mentally comparison, mental health, all the stuff, addiction screen, all, all that stuff is just, it's real. And I think the be, like the most, if the best we could do is to push it off as long as we can as long as you're willing to. Um, but there's some like, honestly, there's some great apps out there that allow for parents to at least again, start the conversation, write out what you want. Like, what are the guidelines? Cause a lot of these things, they're all, they all pretty much do the similar things, but you could allow more access as they like trust is earned. Hmm. And so you could start very like little with your, your kid. And as they are becoming like not complaining, not trying to go around stuff, they're sticking to what they're doing. They're doing all their homework, whatever they need to do. Mm -hmm. Then you could actually give them more access to more screen time. Like there's like stuff like that you could actually, um, you know, you could do, I mean, to name a few, I wrote a couple of them down as I was, cause I, these are the ones that I've suggested and they're all, they all go for like different ages. So like there's screen, there's an actual app called screen, screen time, unglue, um, bark canopy and net nanny, mm. like all of those apps are like subscription based. You have to pay for them, put them all in your devices. And basically all of them have like, allows you to like tracks location, set Wi-Fi timers, turn off the ability to access Wi-Fi or apps at certain times of the day. So like you can, nothing at night, nothing during school, you know, not until homework's done. Like, and you could actually go on your phone and turn it on and it, it'll track, you know, you could look at messages, activity, like all that kind of stuff, depending on what you're wanting to dive into. Um, you know, and I think that's, again, that's a conversation of like, well, you're getting into all my stuff, you know, like, why are you reading my messages? I think part of it is like, no, I, it's not that I'm going to go in every day, but I have the ability to, Yeah. you know, I, I think that's like, again, that's the conversation that parents and students need to have with each other so that they, there's a, a guideline and structure set, you know, to, to, because to give a student full access free, freely is so scary to me mm -hmm. with, with what they got. And so I think working and building and earning trust, one, that's just a good life skill <laughs> just to have in general, but then two, like it just creates conversations between parents and students mm -hmm. and their students um, that I think a lot of, in general, a lot of people don't do. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think that's like the number one step. Again, I, I keep coming back to it is like having the conversation, setting the guidelines and values and boundaries and explaining the why, not the, because I'm, this is just what we're doing, but it's helping your teenager redirect kind of where their focus is and helping them understand why you value what you value. That's really good. I, I, I hear a lot of parents say, you know, in the heat of the moment when their kids are arguing about screen time or social media apps or whatever, they pull out the, well, when you start paying for your phone, then you can make those choices. Well, that is a, I, what I've discovered is every time I did that, it fell upon deaf ears. But when I wrote down a, like you said, you write it down. And my wife and I talked about this. We came up with like a contract mm -hmm. <laughs> for uh, uh, one of our daughters who needed this more than the other one. The other one didn't care. But the other one was always kind of pushing, when can I get this? When can I get that? I said, okay, well, at age 16, here's what we're going to pay for and provide. And here's what you're expected to do. And here's the, you know, the, the perks of that age. And then as different things happen with every year, they get a little bit more or whatever. But like you said, it's not always just about age. Mm -hmm. But it, it at least... It allowed the conversation to happen when everybody was calm 
and and specify i pay for this you know we're paying for your insurance you're paying for your gas you know i pay for the phone but that allows me you know to monitor your screen time and to shut it off at certain times or whatever you know just yeah it 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 allowed the dialogue to happen i guess yeah and i think like as they get older i think obviously if you're i mean i don't know why you would but if you're giving a sixth grader an iphone then the monitoring should be, which there are, there's like fourth graders that I see this last weekend that have like full on sure. iPhones and stuff, which is just crazy to me. But you know, they, I would say you, then you have every right to, to go through and monitor yeah. anything that you feel like you'd want to do. And then as they get older and again, like I said, earn it. And like, I like how you laid it out and say, this is what you get when this happens. Mm-hmm. It kind of creates some of that structure that is really nice and helpful for parents and students to talk again it comes back to conversation like can 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 we all be on the same page and be understanding of what this looks like yeah and then you just keep coming back to it this is what we talked about this is what we talked about okay let's talk about dating um the days of dating uh when i was uh their age is certainly different the days of dating when they were when you were their age certainly different uh what does it look like um there's so much social media texting um you know, video chats, but is it just hanging out and hooking up? Those are the two phrases I hear about all the time. Uh, is it just kind of a tender world out there for kids or what's happening? <laughs> yeah, I, I, in all honesty, I don't feel like dating in itself of hanging out and hooking up has changed forever. I think the mediums in which they operate probably have different, you know? Okay. And so when, I, when I'm looking at like, I'll, I mean, I'll use a real life example of we had to like find and track down and crack crack it of you know airdrop (laughs) people posting or like airdropping at a summer camp uh really inappropriate things to anyone who's available in that general area right like that's something i've never had to deal with you know 10 years ago um navigating through like you know snapchat and and dms and video and all the new stuff that comes out like i feel like the 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 initial dating scene is there but like that's the access and availability and uh perceived and non uh uh anonymous god what am i trying to say perceived anonymous anonymous anonymity there you go that word yeah um like that's like the because we all know like you know one screenshot of something could ruin a kid's (laughs) <laughs> like life mm-hmm. and and let it go and so i feel like i've seen a lot more of that kind of stuff i feel like when it comes to like the dating scene that i i mean again i don't feel like it's it's different there are kids hanging out there's kids that are hooking up there's kids that are are doing everything in between but like the medium like digital stuff like that's all new like that's the that's the new space that's like wow okay we haven't really thought through that Mm. um until like it popped up like it happened at summer camp and we're like oh shoot okay how do we even find this person who sent out this thing um yeah you know inappropriate it wasn't like of themselves or another person but it was like wow this is really really bad and we 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 need to figure this out because it's not i'll be called into the office when i get back you know what i mean like that kind of exactly yeah uh that kind of deal so i feel like for me you know i don't know if i have a, much more to say on that because i don't feel like it's been different i feel like teenagers are teenagers we need to talk about it we need we're going to address it from a church perspective um whether or not their parents do um you know and what we could do as a church is to like set up parents well to have conversations because mm-hmm. even if even if the conversations are not happening at home we 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 decided as a church we're going to talk about it so what parents if you're ready or not to talk about it we're we're going to give you an option to set you up well or if you feel like they're not ready to talk about it you have an option to keep your kid home for this series because we this is what we're going to lay out and that's like you know when we talk about like i think you're um the the when we get into like the gender identity and stuff like that i could explain to like what kind of stuff we did in order to prompt some of those conversations that I think is really helpful and good. Um, and I feel like it's the same with dating. Like we have to talk about it. You have to address it. Mm-hmm. You have to set your boundaries and what you're like hoping for, and then actually keep them accountable to those boundaries that you set. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, again, that's one of those things where I don't feel like it's a blanket statement of here's what, here's what dating looks like. And here's what it doesn't. I think it's based off of, you know, your kid, you know how they are talk with them, 
talk with your spouse, set the guidelines, set the boundaries, and then lay them out there mm-hmm. to say like, I wasn't allowed to date until I was 16. Right. Me either. I don't know if that, I don't know. I don't know if that was random for my parents because that's what they thought or whatever, you know, but I, I never remember having a conversation about it about why it's just like, nope, you can't. I had a date lined up on my 16th birthday when it was legal. And the beauty of it was is she had another date lined up after me. Yeah. So I got to drive her to her next date. So uh, that was fun. Yeah, that's not that's not intimidating at all. <laughs> and the fact that you knew yeah. that, that's like that's even weirder. Yeah, that was uh well, it was kind of sprung on me uh, towards the end of the date. Uh, apparently the uh didn't go well. The showing of the Michael J. Fox movie didn't go all that well. So yeah. oh well. <laughs> Uh, okay, so kids delaying adulthood. We were hearing about that before the pandemic, and then that just kind of even took it a little bit further. You know, we got a lot of parents with kids living in their home that there's kind of that weird balance of, well, I'm glad you're, I know where you are. I'm glad you're here with us. I'm glad you're safe, but I also don't want to enable you to never launch. Mm. What do you say to parents that are kind of dealing with kids that are kind of stuck? Yeah, that's like... That's a great question because I, 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 when I look at my kids, you know, it's hard to fathom at such a young age that eventually that they're gonna like leave, right, and not be dependent on me anymore. But like I have always imagined the question of like he's like, well, I can't, you know, I can't wait to get out of this house. I know it's coming, right? Yeah, you know, I can't wait to like get out of this house, and I'm gonna be like, yeah, me too. <laughs> like I can't, I can't I can't wait either. Like you should be on your own. I think we should as parents be able to like send out our kids. Yep. Um in that sense. I, I love what um you know a couple of weeks ago our pastor talked about we had a whole thing about parenting and kids, a whole sermon through Ephesians. And so we're talking about, you know, parent you know, kids honor your parents. And um he said something that I thought was really really good in this area in the sense of like the teenage years as they are getting older and getting into that spot, he says it's about redirecting big feelings to things that are true. And so, cause like that age is so emotional and, and it's based off of feelings. And so all of teenage years is, is helping stu- like teenagers point back to what is, what we know is to be true, good and right. And then the 18 plus years as their brain is still developing, cause it's not fully developed till 26 is that it's, celebrating when your adult kids do make good, right, and true decisions. And so it's it's like that kind of age of, and, and I love what he said. He says, I will, I will help you live, but I will not finance sin. That's good. And so, and so, I, and I love that idea of it because again, they're still developing and we're, we, what we want to do is, right, we want to reinforce all the good, right, and true, and we'll reward that. And then, but if, if you're living in my house and this is what you're doing, I need you to fly and go away eventually, which is what we want. Like, I'm not going to do this. Mm. Like, I'm not going to, like, if you're choosing to do this and I'm saying that you need to do this, well, we're doing this or you're going to have to, you're going to figure it out on your own or do whatever. If you're going to live here, Mm -hmm. what does that look like? And so again, it goes back to the, what are your boundaries? Mm -hmm. What are your values? And what are you, and what are you communicating out you know, to, to your adult kid, mm. um, as you're trying to, to navigate. Cause I think that's a good, a good timeline. Like I know for me, if I wanted to live at, my parents did this well, if I wanted to live at the house and not pay rent, I had to be in full-time school and have a job. Mm-hmm. Those are like the main, the main two things that were a requirement for me to live in my house with nothing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so that, and I think it's the same thing with any adult who, or any parent who has adult kids is the same thing. It's you, you celebrate when they choose the right things and you set your, your firm foundation of like, I'm not going to finance sin. Like, I love that saying mm-hmm. of that's what, that's what I'm going to do. So mm. I've already made a mental note for my kids. Um, <laughs> You're smart. For, for later. Yeah. Yeah. When I was, uh, when I was your age with kids, the, the age of your kids, that was my obsession. Every person I talked to, especially pastors, man, how do you raise kids? You know, and I remember just filing that stuff away because it was so, so helpful uh, when, because when you get into it, you, you know, it's like changing a tire. If you don't know what you're doing and you're on the side of the freeway, it's a, it's a bit different. Yep. 100%. Okay. So let's get into the biggest topic that our kids are dealing with today besides technology, which is gender confusion. Um, I hear a lot of students say, boy, I almost feel like I'm not 
accepting of others unless I do have some kind of non-binary desire. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like there's some people out there that truly have gender dysphoria, which is a very, very small percentage. And then there are some that are just confused and others that are sympathetic. So how how do we help our kids or our parents deal with uh, these conversations their kids are having uh, and the identity issues uh, that their kids are facing? Yeah, I think so. I mean, this is such a, I mean, we could probably do a whole episode on this in general. Mm. And so I'll try to, I'll try to keep it somewhat coherent, I think, because I have a lot of thoughts on this and we've been dealing with this, you know, within our own ministry. And I think a lot of it, it comes back to this, like knowing the stat that's that kids want to be heard. I think like the first one goes to one parents, are you bringing this up? Because hmm. uh, the truth is, our culture is teaching them and indoctrinating them in some in their religion of whatever they feel that is important to our culture. And for whatever reason, there's a lot of parents that don't teach their kids about the values of Christianity and Jesus and and those things in, when it comes to relationship. And naturally, if one person's being talked to over here, but it's never talked to over here, where do we are? Where are we going to naturally lean mm. in in opinions and desires and all that stuff? So I think part of it is parents like, are we talking about it in general? Like, I know it's weird. I know it could be awkward, mm-hmm. but I think like when we see things in culture on TV, when you you know even there's just a, a, a crazy dichotomy. Like I was watching The Voice, you know, the, with my wife. That's one of our shows. One of the guys led an amazing worship set on The Voice, which I thought was super cool. And then you also have like a, you know, non-binary, you know, ha- you know, pronouns and all that stuff following immediately afterwards. Mm-hmm. And and it's just like it's in front of our student's face all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like it's our job as parents to bring it up to them and talk to them about, okay, what do you feel about this? Mm-hmm. What are the, like, get their thoughts. I think that's one of the biggest things is we assume so many things that students don't have thoughts on them. Um, and I think a lot of them do, but also a lot of them don't really have any any opinion because they're kind of like, yeah, it doesn't make sense, but that doesn't, just because that kid has pronouns and he sits next to me doesn't mean that I'm not his friend still. Like they're trying to like, get the idea of like, okay, what does religion have to do with this? Right. You know, what does our faith have to do with this? And so I think just one, having conversations um, and then helping, like, again, listening, listening to what your kids believe about those things and then diving into dialogue of really, like, I think our culture has gotten into this idea and I think this has played out in parents and kids' relationships as well, is that you and I could disagree and we could still love each other and be friends. Hmm. And I think our culture has replaced that with, if you disagree with me, it means you don't, you hate me and you don't like me. And so therefore you're against me. And so I think we have to get back into this idea that this, we could disagree and we could be friends and we could have dialogue and we could still have a relationship um, there. And I think it starts with that yeah. when it comes to how, you know, how do you help your kids deal with gender identity? Talk about it with them. Like, it's amazing to me, you know, as we, we did a whole series on this at our, in our youth and we, what we did is we told parents, hey, we believe that this is important to talk about. Our culture is talking about this consistently. We want the church to be the safest place to talk about anything. But in reality, we want your homes to be the safest place for your students to talk about anything. And so here's, here's what we want to do to help in that process is, you know, we did a, we did a series called, um, we called it Sex But Make It Holy. And what we did, we talked about dating, we talked about uh, marriage, we talked about LGBTQ, we talked about gender identity, uh, and we talked about like what friendships would look like. So basically, all like the important relationships that go along in the series. Mm. And we didn't pull, we didn't pull any punches. We dove straight into it. We, we basically had, I had all of our, we we do video based teaching, so we record all of our youth messages at one time. And so we had everybody's notes written out and had everybody write them out word for word. We packaged it up, wrote out all the small group questions, and we sent it out two weeks before we even started the series to all of our parents saying, this is, this is what we're talking about. Here's all of our, what we, here's all the sermons. Here's the notes. Here's the small group questions. Um, As you look this over, 
you know, we hope that you could partner with us and start having the conversations now because we want you to be prepared because they're going to come home probably wanting to talk about some of these things. Mm-hmm. And um, and if you feel like you're, you know, because we're middle school and high school together on Wednesday nights for like the teaching and then we split out into small groups. And so if you feel that your kid is not ready to talk about these things, then for this series, by all means, you can let them sit out, just communicate with your at your at your campus and their small group leader. We'll make sure that we're continually following up with them relationally, but maybe it's not with engaging with this content. And so we try to like do our best to like partner with parents because we're not the parents. And so we want to make sure that parents were set up well mm. to navigate the conversations. And for us, it was a really cool way. Like I was waiting for like blowback. I was waiting for like people coming in hot. And I didn't get any, hmm. like there was, there was a couple of parents who were like, Oh, I don't know if we're re- really down to do this. Like, why are we talking about this? And our, our youth pastors, you know, they were able to talk in and say, here's why, here's the reason. So like none, at least none got up to, got up to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like none got up to like my level where I had to like in, enter a conversation with a parent at a campus. But if anything, it was more of like, wow, thank you so much. We, we didn't know how to talk about this, mm-hmm. but now this has set us up well to at least begin conversations about this. And, you know, it was a, it was a, our really first like series that I felt like we, we at least took a good step a foot direction of partnering with parents mm-hmm. with what we're doing as a ministry. And I think that's like a, a best way to do it because it is a partnership between, you know, we want, we're on parent side mm-hmm. and we were on the kid's side. And so like, how do we, glue that together is kind of navigate some of those things. And so we wanted them to set them up well for that. Mm, that's so good. Is all this available on your website? Yeah. If you go, it's uh, uh, the whole series. If you want to go through the series, I think the smaller questions are still attached to the, it's on YouTube. Um, but it's like move.sc slash youth is the, is our like YouTube channel where all of our messages live. And then it has on the show notes, it should have like a full on like, uh, outline and in small group stuff and it, this the series is called sex but make it holy um and so yeah it's a, it was super interesting especially when you get if you want to dive into some fun comments just watch some of the the online you know youtube sphere of some of those topics it's super fun um there because you know random people just jump in and yeah navigate all that stuff so that's helpful isn't it oh it's it's so helpful <laughs> um, i read them all um and take vigorous notes Yes, of course. Okay, uh, just a couple last things here. Give our our parents some uh, resources that might be helpful for them. You've mentioned several uh, of the apps that might be good as far as monitoring screen time and those kind of things. What else do you see out there that might be a good thing? Yeah, so uh, a couple of things that like came to my head right off the bat that I use now, and there's two of them in particular. Uh, it's basically anything by Doug Fields and Jim Burns about parenting. Mm-hmm. Um there's something that they do called like intentional parenting, uh, Dr. Jim Burns and what he's written about it has just been super helpful. And we, we've, I like have read everything that they've put out in regards to that, especially as I've jumped into this new role for me is kind of doing a little bit more family ministry oriented stuff. Um, and then, uh, the parent Q, um, app. Yeah. So, uh, the parent it's a great, like there's blogs, there's a podcast, um, on there that they hit all these different parenting topics, uh, is really good. Something that my wife and I listen to, hold on one second. Cause I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to make, I want to make sure I get it right. No, that's awesome. And while you're doing that, I, I will echo, uh, some of those, but I'll also add pluggedin.com. I haven't even heard of that. Um, is a great one because it, uh, you can, uh, type in movies, books, and video games, and they'll give you kind of the content of what's in them before your kid comes home and says, hey, can I go see this movie? Sure, uh, or you know, download it or whatever. You uh, have a little bit of a heads up as to what's gonna be in that show. Okay, I found it. It's, it's actually, it's a book and a podcast. Uh, it's, called, it's called Good Inside by Becky Kennedy. Okay. She's like a clinical psychologist and she, she talks about like the, what a mind of a, like a three-year-old is going through and how you as a parent cannot lose your mind mm. as they lose theirs. Um, and it's, and it's super helpful. Like, uh, you know, how to, how to like example would be like, how to, how do you parent a strong willed toddler? You know, like what are, what's going on? And it's like super helpful in, in those areas, um, in regards to like the littles. Cause that's also my, 
stage of life mm. right now. So I'm like, I need help. And so I'll take whatever, <laughs> I'll take whatever they got. Yes. The days are long, but the years are short. That's right. Uh, okay. So where can we find you? You mentioned youth ministry hacks. What else you got out there? Yeah. On Instagram, I'm on uh, Justin Knowles 3. Um, I think I, I gave a link to you guys, so you could probably link it down there. And then if you want to follow anything in regards to uh, sandals, uh, sandals, sandalskids.tv would be all of our like kids content stuff. If you want to dive into that and then, uh, move.sc slash youth, like I mentioned, is all, it's all of our youth stuff is on YouTube and you can kind of see what we're all about there. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Okay. Now is the time that our listeners have been waiting for. Mm. Give us a good Rick Warren story. And we love Rick Warren. He led with integrity and did such an amazing job for so many years and left in an unbelievably kind way. You got to spend some time with him at, at Saddleback, and I say with him, you were in the Saddleback solar system. Yeah. So give us a Rick Warren story. Yeah, a couple. I actually have a couple quick ones. Um, I remember when I was first on staff, probably a couple weeks in, uh, at my first staff meeting, you know, hundreds of staff there and you know rick warren i'm like there's no way like i'm just gonna go introduce myself there's no way that he knows who i am you know as i'm coming on on like the high school team and i walk up to him and i was like hey you know pastor rick and before i could even say anything he was like oh justin knowles like so glad that you're that you're on staff i've been praying for you as you jump on like the high school team wow um, i'm so like happy for you're here and i was like that is crazy that's that's you know like do I really believe that he prayed for me? Yeah, obviously he knew who I was before huh. I even came up to him. And so that's that was like one of the things I was like, yeah, he's the real deal. Um, that was cool. It was one of the craziest things, and this is not like a personal one for me, but just for me watching, um, you know, because I was there when his son took his life. Yeah. And watching him and Kay lead hmm through that time was something that I've never seen ever in anybody. And I was like, so inspired with like how they, you know, would walk around and still talk with people on staff and, you know, able to lead through that time and, and to, to lead through it without losing their minds, which I can't imagine what they were going through and thinking through. Mm -hmm. um, and so like for me as a, as a young leader sitting in, I remember the first staff meeting back with him and I'm like, I get to sit here for free because I'm on staff mm. where people would like pay to listen to this guy talk about leading through grief and hurt and pain. And I just, I remember that going like, this is freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. um, that, and I, I also remember like, you know, a couple of times where he would come down, you know, randomly come down to the, the youth building and then he would literally just spend like he would throw the video on up at the main at the main service and he like play a game with HSM, you know, down with like kids and stuff like that. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and sit and, t and like sit and take pictures with like kids as they were coming in there and all that stuff. Like it just he was like he the way that he led was very as a high three on the Enneagram who's very task oriented helps me like he challenged me to like oh like oh no, he genuinely cared about people. And so, and it kind of, it kind of challenged me in that sense. So a couple, couple of fun stories. It's so fascinating to hear those for a couple of reasons. One, you always like to hear that these guys are who they say they are. But I think back to reading Purpose Driven Church and some of the tactics you're talking about, he did those as a church planner. I remember him talking about he would take Polaroids with people in the lobby and write their name on the bottom so he could learn their names. And I got to imagine up in his office, somebody's given him a little dossier of new staff members, their names and things with pictures. And and he's he's praying for these people. I mean, this is he never stopped doing what he did to start the whole church, which was, mm -hmm. that's incredible. Thank you for sharing those. Yeah, yeah. It was, a, it was a great time there. I learned a lot there. Well, this has been great for our listeners. Great for me. I've learned a lot. I've taken a lot of notes, so I'm going to have to listen to this again later. But Justin, thank you for coming on the show. And uh, we'd love to have you back sometime. Uh, I'd love to meet you face to face sometime. That would be uh, that'd be great. That would be awesome. Thanks for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. It was a good time. Well, I don't think it's possible to make families simple and kids simple, but Justin sure did a good job of it, didn't he? So make sure you share this with somebody else. I think you can probably think of somebody right now in your life that would be encouraged by, blessed by, or learn something from what Justin had to say. Pass this podcast along to them. 
There's so many podcasts out there, so much great information out there. We'd love to be able to pass on the stuff that you think is good. So pass that along to somebody else. Like it on social media. Leave us a review. That would be really, really encouraging for us. Thanks to our friends at Belay Solutions for the sponsorship. Next week, we're back with an individual that you're never going to forget. His name is Beckett Cook. He's written books. He's been on talk shows. He is a nationally known, sought-after speaker. He has an incredible YouTube podcast. And his story is going to absolutely rock your world because of what he has lived through, what he has come out of, and his voice in dealing with the LGBTQ community because he is a part of it. But how he learned how he was loved by God and what God has in store for him and how he should live, I think is really going to be thought-provoking for you. So I can't wait for you to hear from Beckett Cook next week. Thanks so much for listening. Share this with a friend. Talk to you next week. And as always, keep it simple. Take a moment and subscribe to the podcast so you'll get it delivered every week. And subscribe to the Rusty George YouTube channel for more devotionals, messages, and fun videos. Thank you for listening to Leading Simple. As we mentioned at the top of the podcast, our friends at Belay are offering a free copy of their resource, Four Costly Financial Mistakes for Churches, exclusively to our podcast listeners today. Belay's modern church staffing solutions have been helping busy church leaders delegate important financial details for over a decade. Their fractional U.S.-based contractors provide accounting and virtual assistant services to level up your church through the power of delegation. Just text RUSTY, that's R-U-S-T-Y, to 55123 to claim this exclusive offer and get back to growing your church with Belay. That's RUSTY, R-U-S-T-Y, to 55123.